0: Welcome to Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America, a look at the changing risk and resilience landscape with insights on the challenges facing businesses today and tomorrow. Welcome to the Future of Risk podcast. Hi, I'm Renee Koa from Zurich North America. Every year, the World Economic Forum publishes its Global Risks Report, a state of the planet examination on the short and long term global risks for the coming decade. Zurich is a longstanding strategic partner with WEF and the 2021 report marks its 16th. No surprise, this year the COVID-19 pandemic has cast an enormous shadow on both present and future, but so have a variety of other challenges. Joining me today to discuss the report and its ramifications for North American businesses is Colleen Zitt, Chief Risk Officer for Zurich North America. As a member of Zurich's risk management team, Colleen is responsible for leading the North America function, which includes oversight of governance and risk management responsibilities. Colleen, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Now, on a personal note, Colleen, is this right? You have six children?
1: Yes, it is. Uh, Two boys, four girls, ages 29 through 17.
0: Okay, that tells me you know about risk not only on a professional level, but also an extremely personal one. <laughs> but you know, seriously, how have you and your family handled uh, the challenges of a pandemic?
1: Well, you know, it hasn't been easy, but we shepherded through homeschooling, returned to school, worked from home, going back to the office. One of my children actually contracted Covid and thankfully fully recovered. But like most, we also face making choices to social distance from our parents. We've also managed to welcome a grandchild as well as hold a wedding. Life continued. Um, And for the most part, we work together to support each other through these life events as well as the uncertainties. I think the one thing that was really important here was checking in on each other often.
0: Uh, that's really, um, what a year. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, a kind been, of what handful. you just said. <laughs> I did want to ask you, when you're reading the Global Risks Report every year, do these, do these risks resonate with you because of your children in, in such a span of ages? I mean, they're going to likely be contending with these things farther into the future than you and me.
1: Yeah, I feel this year's report really hit home for me. Um, It highlighted so many areas from my personal experience. You know, the longer term societal and economic impacts are are truly evolving, and I think about that from jobs and education of our youth, um, as well as really preparing for their future as, as a key challenge. I continue to listen to my kids' concerns, but also try to emphasize the opportunities that lie ahead um that they need to stay focused on participating in things such as training things that come up to them as opportunities in that space but also i think what you know came through this report as well is really making sure that we focus on our mental health um so from that standpoint if they needed help beyond what my husband and i or their friends could provide it's really about seeking advice from others as well to stay on top of it
0: let's go into then the questions um i wanted to ask you for the takeaways for north american companies and i do want to touch base on some of the things you just said a little later sure um so obviously the not so invisible elephant in the room here is is 19 and its impact on on businesses can you can you just elaborate on that a little
1: i i agree with you the pandemic is not invisible and its impact could influence nearly every facet of the risk landscape for the next 10 years and perhaps even longer. I mean, we've seen over 2 million deaths, millions of lost jobs and shuttered businesses. Ultimately, some of these businesses may never even return. Um, And if so, the question really is to what degree the pandemic has truly fueled technological domination that has benefits and drawbacks. And I think we all have opportunities to look at uh, in terms of how this evolves. It also shows us though, that ignoring risks doesn't really make them go away. For example, I'll highlight the fact that since 2006, uh, the global risk report has warned of the potential of a global pandemic. And yet here we are right in the middle of it.
0: Yes, and that's a really excellent point. And before we talk about the COVID uh, influence, I think speaking to that point is um, another risk that the Global Risks Report has been uh, warning about for years and that's environmental concerns. They have been a constant in the past reports and this one is no different. um, Included in this year's top seven most impactful and likely global risks, they list extreme weather, human environmental damage, climate action failure, biodiversity loss, and natural resource crises. But it's kind of gone into the background, right, because of COVID.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think the pandemic truly has distracted many from the current environmental crises, but at the same time, it can't be ignored. Climate change as a risk is quite present. It continues to evolve. We see it Basically, if you reflect on this past year's natural catastrophe event count, it's one of the highest on record. Um, last year alone, the us. experienced over twenty two weather climate disasters with losses exceeding a billion dollars each, which is which is a record business community has been frequently impacted by climate events and you know really it sits top of mind right now and honestly into the future until we can get our arms around this
0: so what are some of the things that businesses can do
1: well you know businesses can take a variety of steps they they can be big and they can be small. It's really important to promote environmental sustainability by reducing their carbon footprint, invest responsibly, work with their communities and policymakers to create really meaningful change and positively contribute to the communities and regions that they you know serve from a business perspective.
0: Are there um, some things you wanted to to um, share that Zurich does for climate resilience?
1: Oh, I'd love to. As you know, uh, Zurich has been uh, an advocate for climate resilience, and I'll touch on a few, but the list is actually quite long, um, and we continue to add to the things that we're doing uh, across that landscape every day. Zurich was a founding member of the United Nations Net Zero Acid Owner Alliance, which really is just committing to a zero emission portfolio of investments by 2050. Uh, We were one of the first insurers to make the United Nations business ambition for 1.5 degrees Celsius pledge in 2019. Zurich also recently joined 61 business leaders to the World Economic Forum's core stakeholder capitalism metrics, a set of universal comparable disclosures focused on people, planet, prosperity, and governance that companies can report on regardless of the industry or region, so it really gives us that view across the full spectrum of meaningful um, aspects of what we can be doing as a whole. Operationally, Zurich has consistently achieved ambitious emission reduction targets and has been operating as a zero carbon neutral business since 2014. I'll tell you, that's a huge milestone for me. And in addition, I'd just say Zurich committed to using 100 percent renewable energy as power across our global operations by 2022 and joined um, many across additional pledges to start utilizing renewable energy, specifically um, committing to switching our entire global automobile fleet to electric vehicles by 2029.
0: Boy, that's impressive. With this experience and knowledge, how are are we helping our customers, you know, make those differences too?
1: I just want to come back and clarify. Zurich's actions aren't just making a difference with our customers. They're also making a difference in our communities. Zurich's implemented flood and wildfire resilience programs to help communities around the world. Since 2013, I think it is, we produced exhaustive post-event review capability reports to help communities become more resilient to these natural disasters and extreme weather. But it's not just about recovery and rebuilding. We we'll also work with the communities and policymakers to emphasize risk reduction, preparedness, and resilience. Because honestly, these events keep happening. So it's important that we actually reduce how they impact these communities going forward.
0: Those are all good points, Colleen. And something you said struck me. Resilience is a byproduct of preparation. And that is what the Global Risks Report is really trying trying to do and i'm going straight back to um, three additional areas of risk now that you feel u.s businesses may need to confront um, one of those in this year's report and you talked about it earlier was the acceleration of digital transformation technology has become a superhero for so many of us newly remote workers and i'm one of them but Are businesses thinking about the risks with this?
1: You know, the report notes, and I'll just reiterate, although digital technology promises the creation of almost 100 million new jobs by 2025, it may also displace 85 million jobs um, that become automated in the next five years. And ultimately, some workforce actually could become obsolete. Many adults, And I'm one of them, I certainly had to learn how to adapt to working from home and the technology advances that were put in front of me here. But many adults still lack digital skill capabilities. Um, There's a danger of a deepening existing inequality between the digital haves and have nots at the company level. And it is certainly a risk that we need to manage going forward. I'll also highlight, though, the good news according to the report was you know, two thirds of employers expect to see a return on their investment in upskilling and reskilling within about a year. Um, this is certainly an area that Zurich has been focused on for its own business, but also is included in our focus as we advise our customers about business resilience. I'd also like to add another consequence of digital transformation that you touched on is the increasing cyber risk exposure. Companies must constantly review their risk mitigation strategies to keep ahead of the quickly evolving cyber challenge. Risk mitigation is key, but also preparing for scenarios and really knowing how your company would handle a situation. It's extremely critical to know how you would respond. And Zurich has products and services in this space and ultimately can help advise our customers accordingly
0: great point. I didn't think about that. Um, So moving on to the second, and this was a little heartbreaking for me to read, but the section about the younger generation, specifically those um, ages 15 to 24 that the report refers to as pandemials. um, uh, It's really thought provoking to think they grew up with the lingering effects of the 2008 financial crisis. And now they're in the midst of what the report aptly calls an employment ice age caused by Covid. Um, you have kids in this age group, Colleen, but obviously this this is impacting uh, millions and millions of young people. can you Can you talk about um, some of the other problems they're facing?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. And, and you highlighted it. I have four of my six children actually fall into this range. And this report just highlighted so many of the topics that I think we've been dealing with, thinking about, and trying to plan and support our children as they go off into the next stage of you know their lives. But what our kids have been dealing with, the, the children of that age group, is handling is remote schooling limited social opportunities, really a change in the whole job landscape. All of these things are byproducts of the pandemic, and we'd like to think of them as short-term in nature, but there's a severe uncertainty about really what is the change and how long will it last? You know, don't forget the pre-pandemic threats of environmental crisis and technological disruption. Those also overlay uh, the current uncertainties and concerns. All of this is challenging their economic prospects. And I think, as I mentioned before, mental health, it it is hard for them to get a sense of how can I control and make the decisions that I need to about a future that's quite uncertain. And we can't forget, this is a workforce of our future. We we can't allow them to be a lost generation.
0: And that directly ties into um the viability of businesses, and to a larger degree, the nation's economy. Can you can you talk about that and what businesses uh, need to to do to because it's helping themselves by helping them, right?
1: Oh, absolutely, and it really goes back to some of the discussion we've had already about business resilience. As workforce of the future evolves and baby boomers retire, companies actually need to really consider how to effectively find solutions to support this next generation. This may include investing in benefit plans, apprenticeships, retraining, exploring alternative work arrangements, just to name a few. I think it's really important for companies to step back and figure out how they partner with this upcoming generation and that workforce of the future to make it extremely relevant to how they invest and take action.
0: Now, the third risk that you wanted to talk about revolves around economic recovery. And boy, the report really shows how COVID's impact on businesses has been pretty brutal.
1: Yeah, it was really a highlight here that, you know, the digital disruption and changes in consumer behavior and the nature of work already existed prior to the pandemic, but COVID, the crisis itself amplified these even more. It amplified and accelerated the need for investment and development in this space. You know, the economic stagnation and the loss of countless small businesses has widened gaps between large and small companies. I, I think one of the highlights was 20 percent of U.S. firms with, for, with fewer than 500 employees closed permanently between March and August of 2020. Many of these companies that survived remain dependent, though, on state support. So, again, we're still in a quite a fragile state. There's a lot of change that's continuing um, with regard to technology and the recovery, but um, we're going to have to see this through and really, really watch it closely.
0: Now, uh, the the arrival of the vaccines is is making everybody more optimistic, and businesses too, of course. So, when we come to into that next mode of recovery, Colleen, are there things businesses can do? or think about doing?
1: I think the recovery is really already happening, as you said. I think there's optimism, but as people went into the initial stages of the lockdown, they already started to look towards the future on you know, and when they would come back to work. I think the timing has just extended beyond what we all thought was was probable at the time but but truly businesses and industries will require agile and distributed workforces. Some things to consider and be open to is the potential for hybrid working options, comprehensive reskilling and upskilling of employees. Companies will probably need to rethink their physical space and organizational design for the workforce of the future. And they really need to also consider navigating the opportunities that automation and digitalization can offer. I think these set them up for a longer term success path that they can take as they take that road to recovery.
0: Now, Colleen, um, when you look back on 2020, it was a tumultuous year, which is an understatement. But, and because of that actually, the report touches on the growing importance of businesses being good corporate citizens. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, I think it's more important than ever for companies to reflect on societal values um, in the core of how they operate and lead their business. You know, we've we've talked about the workforce of the future and really what attracts talent to wanna work for a company. Um, not only for the short term, but the longer term. So it's really important for companies to follow through with meaningful actions to support a broad-based and sustainable economic recovery and growth, which then really supports business resilience and confidence in the marketplace. Strengthening of societal trust and work to reduce inequity is, is, I think, what there's you know definitely a movement um, and pressure for companies to get involved with. And again, it's our responsibility to take lead and take action, which will require deliberate actions about our values and goals that support these ambitions.
0: You observe that although the report focuses on problems and challenges, it also offers solutions. And one of the concluding chapters was the sort of a lessons learned approach to the pandemic.
1: Yes. I would just highlight these these takeaways aren't about solving for the current pandemic, but really how we can apply what we've learned to the next global crisis. A business facing its own particular challenge can find insights in this report. And I feel like the report really highlighted that business and society needs to focus on building analytical frameworks that take a holistic and systems based view of risk impacts to help identify potential dependencies spillover consequences, vulnerabilities and and blind spots, things we didn't see. Um, And and so learning those lessons and bringing them to our toolkit for the future is absolutely important to strengthen our preparedness and resilience. Identifying investing in risk champions, people who would be the ones who really have their, you know, let's say binoculars looking out onto the horizon who will spur innovation, Um, in risk analysis, financing, and responsible capabilities, as well as foster relationships between scientific experts and political leaders. We saw some of this come out of the pandemic um, itself, but more needs to evolve from here forward. Building trust through clear and consistent communications and combating misinformation, as well as exploring new types of public-private partnerships on risk preparedness, Um, through technology, logistics, and manufacturing. I think these are some of the highlights that came through the report that really, I feel were a sound reflection of what we learned.
0: You've offered such great insight. Is there anything else you want to mention?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's important just to step back and say identifying the problems is only part of the equation. Companies must develop risk management strategies that recognize opportunities as well as weaknesses. Addressing these risks is the first step in building resilience against them, and in doing so, paving a path for success.
0: Okay, Colleen, we're changing tone a little bit here because it's time for the lightning round. (laughs) Oh, awesome. As the Chief Risk Officer, I'm going to ask you five things for you to answer as quickly as you can and elaborate if you wish or or not. So here okay. we go. <laughs> Best part of having six kids.
1: Okay. I think it's always having something to do. Life's a party at my house and we don't need to invite anybody else to have fun. So that's good.
0: Worst part of having six kids.
1: Okay. Uh, that's a good one. I'm gonna have to say funding college educations. I don't need to say more. <laughs> Three,
0: if you had to grade yourself on taking professional risks, what grade would you give yourself?
1: Um, I would have to give myself a B minus. I do take risk, but they're generally relatively calculated.
0: What is the riskiest thing you've ever done?
1: This might not compare well to other people, but probably The riskiest thing I've ever done was zip lining in Costa Rica. Uh, It was a heart racing moment, but I did use plenty of safety gear.
0: Spoken like a chief risk officer. (laughs) And lastly, do you remember the biggest professional mistake you ever made?
1: (laughs) Yes, I do Renee, I remember. (laughs) Okay, I think that's your
0: answer. Colleen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Renee. This was a
1: pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you liked the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at zurichna.com and join us next week.
1: The information in this audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes.